0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Awesome. All right, how's everyone doing today? Good, good. Awesome. Well, uh, Dan's out on vacation right now. He's he's driving driving across the country. Lauren's out on vacation as well. And so, just in case you're curious, that's why the front row is a little bit more empty this uh, on this day. I'm actually I'm, I'm leaving next week uh, to go be in Washington with uh, April's family for two weeks. So, it's summertime, right? <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right. Well, I, I wanted to uh, go over something with you guys today and just kind of uh, kind of walk around a subject and and just discuss a little bit. Is that okay with you guys? So you may some of you who uh, uh who've been around for for a while now may have noticed that uh sometimes when when folks uh introduce me uh up here when I'm speaking or something uh they use this uh P word. Yeah. Uh and before your mind wanders too far uh the this <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for leaving a pause there. That was unwise. Uh <laughs> parsimonious is the word you were thinking, I know um, but, uh, the, uh, um the I've heard this word uh prophet prophet, and some people have said, oh, this is Blake the prophet of the of the house or or things like that, and i as I was hearing that and, and you may, and if you were maybe sitting in one of these rows over here, you might notice that when that's said, I kind of do a little bit of a twitch like I've been stabbed just a little bit um and I, it occurred to me as I was hearing people say that that uh, you know some of you might not know exactly what that means or maybe you have a picture of what that means from some part of your your history and uh, you know not sure how that does or doesn't apply to here and for many of us especially in the modern context that we are right now that might sound like a, a kind of a weird word to to use for for someone or something so I thought I'd talk about that for a little bit. Uh, both a little bit about my personal history with with this concept, some of the biblical history of that, and a little bit how that fits in today. Does that sound all right to you guys? Cool, because that's that's what I'm prepared to do. Um, so, uh, I I grew up in the church. I was a missionary kid and a pastor's kid for for all of my life. So. I've, I've been in church all of my life. Um, I didn't really start going to a church that was really active about the, the gifts of the Spirit and, and the modern uh, representation of those gifts until I was 12 years old. And so when I was 12 years old, we started going to this church, and one of the things that they really encouraged is like, hey, every single member, every single person here should come to at least one prophetic class because – God these gifts of the spirit are available to everyone and you know the 1st uh, Corinthians 14 says you know eagerly desire the spiritual gifts especially prophecy so everyone should learn how to exercise this muscle of hearing God's voice and so my my mom took me and my family to this uh, prophetic class and it was the first time that I had ever really heard of again this this at least this particular idea of what prophecy was you know up until that point the kind of uh, you know, just by osmosis, what I had sort of taken in was, you know, prophecy or hearing God's voice was something that, you know, either happened, like, uh, in extreme situations, like, I grew up a group of missionary kids, so, like, when missionaries are in a dangerous situation, they might hear the audible voice of God to get them out of that situation, and, you know, it was kind of like this, maybe this rare thing that happened, right? That's kind of the view that I had. Anyone grew up with some, some version of that view, maybe? And then as I went through church a little bit more and we started going to different types of environments, there was more people who would operate what they would call prophecy. But just by my young observation, I noticed that this other kind of extreme was almost like uh, people, uh, something kind of like a still quiet thing where it was maybe not that different from their intuition or maybe really just something that they wanted to do in their life and just were saying that God was telling them to do it type of thing, you know. Anyone have that experience at all? People who hear God's voice, you know, you know God told me to do X, Y, Z. Sounds like you just want to do X, Y, Z. But um, I was a very judgmental twelve-year-old. What can I say? But um, and so this was the first time that I had gotten this picture of. No, this is a. There is an aspect of skill to this of learning how to hear His voice, of exercising this muscle of it being something that's readily available to to everyone and we can learn how to hear his voice in all the ways that he speaks through through an impression through a still small voice through through scripture through uh coincidences all these all these different kinds of things and that's you know something that we do in in this environment as as well now both my mom and I found uh found this to come really naturally. It was very easy for us to, to operate in the prophetic. It felt very natural. It felt like, you know, you ever, this has only happened to me one time that I can think of in life. You ever get a pair of shoes? Normally when I get shoes, I have very wide feet, and so when I, when I get a new pair of shoes, they're uncomfortable for like a month. Anyone else had that experience? I do. And only one or two times in my entire life can I think of buying a new pair of shoes, and immediately it felt like it fit exactly right from that very first moment. Um, that's a wonderful experience, and that's the way prophecy felt for both me and my mom. Like, oh, this just makes sense. This this fits. This feels natural. This feels just as as natural as as breathing in in many ways. And so, we really naturally took to it. We got became part of the prophetic team and went every week and practiced prophecy with the prophetic group at our at our church. And was very soon uh, serving on the on the prophetic team. And so. I I don't really know why exactly, maybe because I had a natural affinity for it or or whatever else, but by the time I was 13 and 14, there were already people who were calling me that P word, uh, prophet. Um, And, you know, when I was younger, I was like, that's kind of weird, like, does that mean I'm, I'm, like, really good at prophesying? Does that mean, like, I'm I'm supposed to be extra gifted at prophecy? Is that what that means? You know, and as... The years went on, I started going to different uh, schools of training uh, around around prophecy. So I started out learning about the prophetic in the vineyard movement. I started going to uh, IHOP and experiencing the way they train the prophetic. And I started going to Bethel in Northern California and learning about the way that they prophesy. And as I sat under these different schools of thought, these different ways of prophesying, I saw a lot of different kinds of prophetic people. We had a lot of different prophetic people come through our church. It was something our church was really known for, so there was a, a lot of people that came through. And the more, if I'm being very honest, I'm not naming any specific individuals intentionally, but the, the more I saw people that called themselves prophet or were introduced as prophet, the less I liked that term. Uh, um, you know, like a lot of times these these folks, and usually usually guys, were... Uh, you know, they seem to kind of lord it as like a a title that made them more important or uh, I can hear God better than you. And of course, everyone can hear God, but I can, of course, hear him the most. And um, if if you heard God say something about your life and I heard God say something about your life, uh, chances are that I'm right. Um, Now, I I can't really think of very many that explicitly said these kind of things, but that was sort of the, the feeling, the impression, the 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 idea, you know, and there was always this chance, this little like pistol in the in the in the front pocket of like they might just call it. And if you want to defy them, they're just gonna call out the sin in your life in front of everybody, you know. Let everyone know that you're doing X or doing Y kind of thing. Anyone ever have that kind of experience, you know? I I don't know how you were, but whenever there was a prophetic person around and they were like looking for people to prophesy in in the crowd, uh, you know, my mom would always be like, "Ooh, pick me, pick me," you know. And I'm like, "Oh, please, no," <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, I I won't have you raise hands, but uh, I know that there's there's diversity in the way that we feel about that sort of thing. And so, and I, I continue, again, the prophetic t- quickly for me grew to be just, just an absolutely essential part of my life. You know, again, I grew up in church. I grew up hearing the story of Jesus, but for whatever reason, this idea that God actually wanted to speak to me, that God that God personally wanted to communicate with me, that he wanted to use me to communicate what he had to say to other people, that he wanted to speak to them individually as well. This idea of personal direct communication, for, for whatever reason, whether it's just my personality or or, or or who I am as a person, um, which I guess is the same thing, but is... Uh, that was the most real expression of everything good I had ever heard about God. That was the most real expression of love for me personally that I had ever felt. And so I just absolutely fell in love with this idea that God wanted to talk to us. And so even though I was a little bit bothered by this prophet thing that, that uh, people were talking about, I loved the, the purity and beauty of learning how to hear God's voice more clearly and sharing what he had to say with, with other people. Now, eventually, as I got into my later teens, this idea of a prophet became mostly offensive to me. In fact, when people would, you know, people continued to call me that throughout my life. But by the time I was 15, 16, I started asking people not to and asked them to stop. Because, again, especially in our church, because there was such a strong prophetic culture, it almost became this status symbol. Like, yes, everyone can prophesy, but are you a prophet, you know? Anyone ever been around that kind of experience before? And it's just almost this idea of, like, who's the important people and who's the really valuable, uh, you know, prophetic voices. And, again, it just felt so icky to me. And if I'm being honest, it felt so counter to to the beauty of that I actually felt when I was prophesying that I didn't really want to have anything to do with it. And so for years I said, you know, hey, don't call me that. And, uh, in fact, for a while I was like, then don't call anyone else that, <laughs> you know. Because if someone has an authoritative prophetic voice, then that should be evident in, in the words that they give, you know, at least that's what I thought. Um, and so some years went by, and when I was in my uh, uh, late teens and early 20s, I went to the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Reading, and I had heard this guy, Chris Valentin, preach uh, before, and heard him talk about prophecy, but it was the first time I really sat under his teaching for for a long time. And he had a lot of things to say about prophets and prophecy, but one of the things that he said that was the first thing that started to open me up again to this idea of of the term prophet being at all useful, um, at all profitable, if you will. Um, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's, oh, I know. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. When we talk about judging prophecy later, so it's good practice right now. Um, um, the um, uh, one of the things he said as the chief identifier of whether someone a prophet or not is that the, the scripture tells us that the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, are there for the equipping of the saints. That it is there to equip people to give to the body of Christ. And that being the measurement or the qualifier spoke, uh, even though it didn't give the entire picture, at least to me, it... It's like, okay, it being about giving something to people is a much better idea than the the impression I had gotten of this is about domineering, this is about being the most important or the most valuable, the more having the most authority or any of those things. And so it started this journey of me opening my heart back up to, to this idea. And so I, I want to take a moment to kind of walk through biblically what a prophet is. And, you know, I uh, it's tricky because the temptation a lot of times when we're trying to define something biblically is you ever have someone throw that term at you like chapter and verse chapter and verse it's it's not a bad term because the intent there is that we're adhering to the scripture and we're adhering to the Bible and so that comes from a very good value system however that that way of presenting it can be um uh, I think in, indicative of a unhelpful mindset because the Bible is not a set of instructions it is not Uh, it is not just a list of laws and rules. It is not a list of definitions. It is a narrative. It is a story. It is an ongoing story of God's relationship with, with mankind. And so if we have this idea of I need one chapter and one verse to prove point X, point Y, that's a framework of thinking that's not always helpful. Because the reality is the story of prophets is written throughout the entirety of Scripture. From the beginning, to, to the end of the New Testament. And so I just want to take a moment to kind of, rather than go in one particular verse or one particular definition, to kind of walk through the story for a little bit. Does that make sense? And I do encourage you to go back and look at these spaces if you want. But um, So who, who was the first prophet? So this is a debatable point. Um, most people, uh, most scholars will kind of point to Abraham as the first prophet. I know some people point to Noah, Justin, but um, we'll, we'll get to, again, you could technically say Adam as well. It's a whole thing. But anyway, as f- <laughs> we'll get to this in a second. Because uh, Abraham is, is where the beginning of the covenant starts, where this kind of discussion between man and God, this, this relationship starts to build. But uh, most scholars will readily point to uh, Moses as the first uh, archetypal prophet. So someone who is meant to represent, hey, this is what a prophet is. And there's a very helpful definition in the story of Moses. So how many of you guys have ever heard of Moses before? Okay. Just making sure you never know where people are coming from. Um so Moses has the experience. He uh has a I know we don't have time to go into every detail of the story, but he uh he uh grows up in Egypt, he uh makes some mistakes, goes out into the desert, mistakes that involve murdering someone and uh yeah you know, whoopsie daisy and uh <laughs> and he goes out into the desert he lives out there for a while and then he sees this burning bush he has this encounter with god and at that point god calls him to to be to be a vessel to be a a a point of representation between god and his chosen people in in that time and as you well know, and as you've seen in uh, whatever movie you prefer, uh, <laughs> that Moses has this kind of argument with God, like, "Oh, send somebody else," or oh, "I'm not that good a speaker." He kind of has this, you know, uh, series of uh, about five, uh, uh, you know, uh, objections to to him being chosen. And in this discussion, in this story, there's a helpful little moment because one of the objections is, "Hey, I'm not a very good speaker," and so, okay, great, your, your brother Aaron is the one who's going to actually be doing the the speaking and the way, And then uh, the Lord says something, he says, because you know, he's telling them to go speak to Pharaoh, and he says, Moses, you will be like God, and Aaron will be like your prophet to Pharaoh. And that's a helpful little snapshot of the very simple definition of what a prophet is. If in this archetype, if in this this story here of God communicating this message to Pharaoh, he said, Moses, you're kind of representing God because you are speaking to Aaron and saying what he's going to say to Pharaoh Aaron is representing what is being said towards Pharaoh. So by that picture, by that little story, what is a prophet? It is very simply someone who is saying what God is saying. That is the role of a prophet. So what is a prophecy then? Is it something about predicting the future? You're scared to answer, I understand. Um, Okay, quick, quick survey. How many of you think that the, the main point of prophecy might be uh, predicting the future? If that's you. Okay. I'm so scared. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to raise my hand for anything. <laughs> Do you love Jesus? No. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so while often uh, predicting the future does happen with regard to prophecy, That idea that the chief purpose of prophecy is to predict the future actually has some of its roots in paganism, where kind of soothsayers and, and mystics of those types were kind of mainly focused on predicting the future. Predicting the future is an aspect of prophecy, but again, the main purpose is communicating what God is saying. God has a message for people and it is and he you are communicating what he has to say to that person. Now that obviously sometimes involves him saying something that's going to happen in the future or saying something that's coming up, but that's not it's that's not its chief purpose. Its chief purpose is very simply to say what God is saying. So what is a prophet then? It is just simply someone who is called to represent God. Yeah? Now this simplifies what a prophet is but also kind of raises the stakes a little bit that's that's kind of a heavy thing like wow who would you know presume to represent god on the earth you know that's 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 a big deal right and so moses is again kind of set up as the archetypal prophet in fact when he he dies uh in summary, the scripture says, you know, there was, there was never a prophet who came in all of Israel like, like Moses. And this is actually the beginning of some of the prediction of the Messiah and how Jesus would be the fulfillment of that. And we'll get to that another time. So you have Moses as kind of this archetypal picture of a prophet. He has an encounter with God. He has a series of encounters with God. And he brings the, the, the fruit of those encounters to the people. And this happens over and over and over again. Is that, remember that part of the story? Um, and then as Israel develops as a, a nation, you have this period where prophets come all throughout. In fact, we have a whole series of books in the Bible that are called the books of the prophets. So what are these people doing? Again, it's the same archetype of they are, they are representing the voice of God. They are representing uh, his, his voice to this nation. Now, some of us maybe have looked back at those books of prophecy. And if you kind of cherry pick different spots or you just kind of, Go through without fully knowing the whole context. Some of that stuff can sound kind of uh, negative. Yeah, you ever run into that? You ever read the Bible? Okay, cool. <laughs> just just sure it's okay. I'm just some some confused looks, but um, <laughs> the and so. <laughs> If uh, if you look at those uh, p- pictures there, it can seem kind of harsh and content. So what, what are they doing? And that's where we can kind of maybe sometimes get this picture of a prophet's going to come to town. He's going to say, how bad I am, and pr- uh, prophesy all this doom and gloom. Now, to understand what's happening here, you need to understand the history of God and Israel. God chose them as his people. These are my chosen people, my chosen nation. I am making a covenant with them. The only thing that we have really in modern society that's even close to, the, to what a covenant would mean to an ancient society like that is, is marriage. And even that doesn't quite look or feel the same as it, as it perhaps did back, back then. Because uh, a covenant is it was not a contract. That's a different thing. In fact, there was different words for what would be a contract and what would be a covenant. A covenant was something deeper. A covenant was about attaching lives. Uh, about binding together. And yes, it had terms. Yes, it had boundaries. Yes, it had a structure. But it wasn't, a, a contract is just about the structure. It's about here's the, here's the rules, here's this contract, here's what we're doing. A covenant did have those kinds of rules and instructions ar- around it, but it was about the binding of lives. And so... This, this attachment that God made with the people of Israel was not just, hey, you're my people, so here are the rules. It's we are bound together, and here are the boundaries of that, of, of that connection. You know, for those of us who are married, you made a series of vows to one another. And the rest of the marriage is not just the interpretation of those vows in every situation, like it's like it's, you know, uh, uh, law or something like that. You know, it's not just okay. Well, you know, he said to honor. I'm not feeling very honored right now. And so, you know, honor looks like. Da, da, da. It's about the spirit of what those of what those promises mean. Does that does that make sense? And so, when you look at the law, when you look at the covenant, it is not just about the rules. It is about being bound life to life. It is about being connected with one another. And so the prophets came around and did have very strong things to say because they were almost in a way like the guardians of the covenant. This is God is sending a representative to show up and say, hey, Israel, you have committed infidelity. You know, one of the challenges that happens so often with the nation of Israel is they started serving other gods. They started inviting idols and and other gods into, into who they'd worship. And it often used this language of infidelity when it's talking about that because of the covenant between God and Israel. And so rather than than these prophets showing up and giving, hey, God is super mad at you and you're doing bad, you're not performing good enough, bam, bam, bam. It is instead spoken as a person who is representing the covenant between God and mankind. And so these statements are not about punishment, they're not about um, about anything like that. It's about, hey, these are the terms of the coming. This is what we agree to, to be connected with one another. If you want to go back to that metaphor of marriage, it's, hey, we agreed to be X to one another, to to choose only each other, to to... whatever those boundaries, whatever those promises you made to one another, it would be someone showing up and saying, hey, these are the ways that this is not being followed, and here is the result of that. Here is what's going to happen because of that. Rather than necessarily, you know, God uh, punishing, it was almost like you've stepped outside this covenant, and here's what happens when you step outside that covenant. Here is what happens when you step out from under that covering that comes from that covenant. And very often the pattern is identifying the way that the covenant has been broken, has been breached, pointing out what the, what the results of that are going to be and an invitation to return to that covenant and an invitation to return to that connection. And all of these prophets throughout all of the books of prophets do that in beautifully poetic, unique ways. Some of them just through through long, beautiful speeches. Some of them through these wild acts of prophecy, like Isaiah who walked around naked for two and a half years. Or Ezekiel who laid on his side for, I forget the number of years off the top of my head, but for many, many years. And these were all meant to be pictures of what was happening, pictures of this Dis, this disconnection of the covenant. One of the easiest ones is the book of Hosea, where the Lord actually asked him to marry someone who was, who was a prostitute, and it being a, a living picture of what Israel was doing with God, that even though we had made this covenant, they kept being disconnection over and over and over again. All of it to represent this, this covenant and to point to God's desire for connection and, and the renewal of that covenant. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? So I just want to, again, just kind of give that picture and, uh, and understand that there, the there, any time there was something that we would interpret as negative, it is, it is because of this covenant. It's not just because you're not doing good enough or you're not following the contract well enough. Does that make sense to you guys? And so as we move forward into the modern context, onto the other side of, of the cross, to Jesus, who is the ultimate fulfillment of, of of all of those prophecies that were that were laid out throughout the Old Testament, we need to understand a little bit of a difference between Old Testament prophecy and and prophecy on this side of of Jesus. Beforehand, you know, there was this big problem of sin. This 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 big violation had happened between God and mankind. So there was a separation. And so the Holy Spirit would come down on certain individuals, certain people to release a message, but that was never his desire. His desire was to be among his people, was to be, to be, uh, to be present in every single one of us. And again, I don't have time to go into the, the whole beautiful story of it here, but um, so on this side of the cross, every single one of us has access to the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us can hear his voice. Every single one of us can prophesy And as we talked about the heaviness of what it meant to be a prophet, to represent God, just so you know, that is a role that has been rested upon every single person who calls themselves a Christian, that you are actually, this is why the scripture calls us a a, a plenipotentiary. That is a, a more, a deeper word for ambassador, a direct representative of the King and the kingdom, wherever they go. And so we do need to understand that from one perspective, from one aspect of what the role of prophets were, we are all prophets by that by that measurement, by that understanding. Does that make sense to you guys? We are all representing the voice of God everywhere we go with everything that we do, with the way that we represent, our, with the way that we speak, with the way that we speak about him. We are representatives of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And do remember that next time you post on Facebook. <laughs> um, please. Um but it's 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 the truth. And so then, we, so we come to that. We come to this picture of, okay, we can all prophesy. We can all hear God's voice. Even in scripture, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says, you know, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. You know, why would Paul encourage us to, you know, go, seek after something, go after a gift that's only available to certain people or, or certain special people? So then, what is a, a prophet in, in the modern context? Well, so a little bit more history, and then we can jump into this. So in case you didn't know, all the prophets in the Bible, the ones that we have, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and so on, major prophets, minor prophets, th- there were other prophets that were around, and other prophets that that uh, shared words and shared writings. In fact, the ones that we have in the Bible right now, back in that early time, were, were some of the, uh, <laughs> I heard one rabbi Describe it as kind of the uh, the the back shelf prophecies. Uh, they were they were kind of like, oh, these guys are kind of weird, and so they kept these scrolls kind of on the back. Uh, you know, it's like it sounds like God, we're we'll keep over here, and there were other prophets who who talked about what God was saying. And th- one of the reasons that the books that we have made it into the Bible and uh, ha- have come into the prominence is that all of these predicted the exile that Israel was going to go into with Babylon, and so these were kind of seen as fringe prophecies until everything they said came true and, and became a, a reality. In other words, they were suddenly moved to the front of the shelf, as this, as this one <laughs> I put it. Um, and, and so there were uh, numerous pr- prophetic voices uh, during, during that time. And so <coughs> in our modern context right now, I'd say that there are there are numerous prophetic voices. Yeah? Yeah? And so... You also might have run into numerous scriptures about judging prophecy, yeah? Have you ever run into those? We're encouraged both Old Testament and New to judge prophecy, to to measure it. And so when someone, because we can all prophesy, we need to recognize we all carry an authority to, to hear God's voice. But in the modern context, there are people who are called to be representatives of God's voice on different scales now authority in the kingdom is something that is honestly a little bit tricky for us to understand sometimes because in in our culture most commonly authority and value are are usually equated they're they're usually connected to one another like if i asked you who's the most important person at uh apple or microsoft or you know uh, what tesla or any of those kinds of things uh, I imagine, and I could be wrong, depends on your mindset, some of you would probably pick like, oh, I guess Elon Musk is the most important person at Tesla, or you know, Steve Jobs would have been the, the most important person at, at Apple, and also the, the top leader. There's kind of this equi- equation of value and position. Would you say that that's true? Does that make sense? Now, again, we can get into a whole thing of like, okay, is Elon Musk the most valuable, or the engineer who designed X, Y, or Z? That's That's a different subject, but. Um, I, I think uh, the, the connection between value and authority is not very well represented in modern politics or in modern business. It is instead, I think, better represented within the context of a family. Because in, in my family, in your family, there's different authority. Different people have different authority. My, my wife and I have a different authority than our kids, right? That's, that's a good thing. Now, who's more valuable, me or my son? Neither. We're of the same value. Who's more valuable, my oldest son or or my youngest daughter? Well, neither. They are equally valuable. Now, their authority is different. My twelve-year-old son has different authority than my than my uh, uh, nine-year-old son. My 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 oldest daughter has different authority than my youngest daughter. Is that because she's better? Is that because she's more valuable? Is that because she's more mature? not not really it's just because of who she is where she's at in her life and what the position is in our in our family they have different levels of authority now even in the context of family we can get a little bit mixed up here and experience authority as value does that make sense we can we can so even i i you know i think i can even look at my my own family history and see moments where that uh, is mixed up but it's easier to see how it's supposed to be in that context that while I have authority over my children. That authority is not a, a uh, communication of value. It's a communication of role, of, of what my job is. In fact, if any of you who are parents, we know that it's actually, uh, in many ways, a marker of service and of giving. Yeah. And so one of the reasons that the greatest in God's kingdom is the servant of all, is because of God, authority in the kingdom is meant to be modeled after family, or I guess the other way around, that family is actually meant to be modeled after the kingdom of God, where there is different authority. There are people who are called to have a prophetic voice, that God is saying things to them that are meant for a whole body of people, that are meant for a whole region, that are even meant for a time in history. That's not because they're, it's essential that we know, that's not because they are better, that's not because they're more valuable, that's not because it's more important. But we also need to recognize our, our history and culture and the value system of the age that we're in will always communicate the opposite of that. Will always be telling us that the person whose words are meant for more people are more valuable. And we need to recognize that we will be wrestling with that for as long as our, co- probably for all of our lives and probably generationally afterwards. We will be wrestling with this relationship between authority and value. Does that, does that make sense? So even though we can know it cognitively, instinctually, we've learned it a different way. And so it's so important that we remember that even though some people are called to different levels of authority, that does not mean they are more valuable. Or does, and that does not mean that their contribution even the, even the fruits of their labor are not more valuable. It, it's so important. And especially in the context of prophecy, this is just as important. Why Why is it, if God anoints people to speak with his voice on the earth, if he does that, why would he then also ask people to judge that? Why would he do that? Well, because there's false ones out there. Yeah, that's one reason because we're humans and we're all flawed and we're, we're imperfect. And that's probably that too. That's no, because your authority matters. What you choose to value, what you choose to judge as valuable, as right, as coming from God, that means something. That means something very important for you. That means something for your family. And believe it or not, that means something for your position in, in history. What you decide to judge as, yes, that is coming from God or no, I don't see that as coming from God. It matters, and you're invited to participate in the, in the prophetic release of God's kingdom on the earth. And it is, in fact, a, 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 in the same way that we're, in our country, you know, invited to participate in leadership by voting, you are invited to participate in the prophetic release of God's word on the earth through judgment. I know judgment's one of those words in the modern context that means something negative. It's it's measuring the value of something, measuring the accuracy, measuring whether this sounds like God or it it doesn't. And so what is a modern prophet then? It is someone that a culture, that an environment, that a people have decided to receive as an authoritative prophetic voice. Does that make sense? And so in, in this environment, I've been invited by the leadership to have an authoritative prophetic voice i 've you know been at, at this church for about fifteen years now, and it 's not just like any type of authority, just like me giving my son more responsibility or more authority in our family is it about how mature he is uh, partially is it about what age he is uh, partially is it about the his skills that he has to create safety to make good choices to to grow into, into familiarity with his skill set, uh, partially, but it's, those are kind of the tertiary things. Those are the, the, the side effects. Ultimately, it's about who he is in my family, who he is as a person, and the trajectory for his life. Does that, does that make sense? And so, you know, I, I started in the prophetic ministry when I was 12 years old, and I've been, it's been an active part of my life, Constantly since since then. So this this year marks uh, 25 years of doing prophetic for me, which is wild. Um, but that doesn't make me a prophet. <laughs> that 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 effort and that work and that that putting that time in doesn't make me a prophet. What does? God choosing me for a role, the authority of this church choosing me for a role, and you guys. Choosing whether you want to receive what I say or not, and I just want to encourage you that um, if I ever say anything that you do not judge to be as coming from God, I want to hear that. that 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 matters to me as as a person who wants nothing more than to represent Jesus and to represent his kingdom I, I want I actually need that feedback that 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 pushback that wrestle and I believe every prophet, every person who's called to a, any level of authoritative role in the prophetic, needs that, whether they know it or not. Um, and and just because someone makes a mistake, there you know there are prophetic fathers in my life that I treasure. I've read all their books, I've listened to all their all their messages. I've they, they've they've led me and they've guided me for, since since I was 12 years old. And I don't agree with every single prophecy they've ever given. There are some that I judged to be mistaken, to be a misinterpretation, a misapplication, or that they misheard something thinking that it was the voice of God and it was not. Does that mean that they're false prophets that I'll never listen to again? No, it means they're human beings who, who make mistakes like every single one of us. and. Yes, it's true that their positions of authority make those mistakes have bigger consequences. That's one of the burdens of, of having authority. The same burden that we all have as, as parents, that our mistakes do have consequences for, for the people we have authority over, and we, we need to live in that reality. But at the same time, we're, we're human beings. And, and there are prophetic mothers and prophetic fathers who, over the years... I have felt my my trust, the the, the way I have judged their prophetic voice, shift to where I they do not hold the same place of authority in my life. I still love them, I still care for them as a person, but I'm not going to receive them that way, and that's a good thing. And I invite anyone in this room to do that with me. If what I am saying does not match what God is saying, does that does that make sense? But I'd appreciate if you let me know about it. Um. <laughs> I, I enjoy the straight and narrow. <laughs> um, so again, this is the last thing I, wa- I want to say, and this is very, very important. I want you to hear this. Um, again, this, this relationship between value and authority is, we need to know that we have been raised in a, I'm going to use strong language here, we have been raised in a perverted representation of authority. All of us. Not, mostly unintentionally mostly without any ill will whatsoever, but every single one of us has been raised in some degree of perverted authority. Of, of tw- The word perversion means twisted or, or, or altered from its original design. Um, all of us have experienced authority that dominates that domineers, that doesn't have value, that, that um, is, is structurally unsound or was wielded by someone who was unhealthy to the extent that they probably shouldn't have been carrying that authority at that time, both, both prophetically and otherwise. And so I just want to, um, first I, I, I want to repent and apologize on the behalf of anyone who used the term prophet bring domination to you, to bring shame to you, and to do anything other than serve you with the voice of God. Because the important thing to remember is that the entire fivefold and any authority that God gives is designed for service. It is a position of service and of giving. And if anyone did not represent it that way to you, I apologize on their behalf. And I say that they were mistaken. I say that they were mistaken. Authority is an interesting thing. I think anyone in here who is a parent knows that you serve your kids. Yeah? I was serving my kids at midnight, last night. It's uh, it's, uh, when they crawled in bed with me and decided that the best way for them to sleep was to kick me in the face all night. Um, (laughs) You're welcome, my son. (laughs) Um, It's... (laughs) it's now that service involves because of our relationship authority, me putting limits, me making choices for them sometimes me me um, me making choices that they don 't like me me having you know uh, allowing for consequence discipline all these things and that's the relation that 's the structure relationship of, of my father relationship to to my my children, but I want to encourage you in in As my children grow, that relationship will grow. My authority is still, I will always have the authority of a father in my children's life, even after I'm not on the earth anymore. I will still have the authority of fatherhood in my children's lives, always. But what that looks like will change as they become adults, as they become mothers and fathers themselves, as they mature. And so I am saying that this environment has invited me to be a prophetic father to you, but what I am also saying in that is you are adult children, if you want to look at it that way, and you get to decide what that authority looks like. And you are fully in control of what you receive and what you don't receive. And whether you decide to receive me in that, in that position of authority at all, or, you de- or to what degree you decide to do that. And it's important that we remember that it is actually biblical that we are given that autonomy and that, that right to choose. And in fact, that invitation to, to actively choose what we receive and what we don't receive. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? And so I, w- I wanted to lay some of that out for you because we all have a different history of what it looks like to, what it means to be a prophet, what it doesn't. Uh, a lot of us have seen probably weird representations of, of that. But I, I hope that this kind of gives a little bit of a clearer picture. Does that, does that make sense? Awesome, all right. Well, I have five extra minutes so I thought it would make sense if I prophesied over people a little bit at the end, because, that, yeah, that just that makes sense, right? <laughs> um, and so uh, this uh, couple right here—I don't—I met you once or twice, but I don't remember your names. Uh, yeah, backwards hat and uh, lovely red flowery dress, I think. Um, uh, so you can just stay right where you are. Don't worry. Um, but I was just—I was just looking at you guys, and. Um, I just saw the hands of the father surrounding you guys and um this is a this is a weird uh weird word i saw it like three different ways all at the same time he was doing the same action it was like this kind of squeezing sort of action but i saw it three different ways at the same time first i saw grapes being squeezed and the, the juice coming coming out i saw Sorry, uh, cheese being squeezed. And if you've ever made cheese before, like you squeeze it to, as part of the preparation of bringing the curds together and bringing it into its final form. And then I saw this machine with all these different little bolts and pieces. And as he squeezed it, all the little pieces just lined up and snapped into place. And I just felt like I heard the Lord saying that you, you've been in, in a bit of a season where sort of like you kind of have these disparate pieces and it's like, okay, what, what direction are we heading? What are we doing? How does this work? And I, we got this stuff and this, this, this kind of, these options that are good, but how does this fit together and how does this work? And I just saw the, the spirit of God coming and bringing this alignment and clarity to, to both of you at the same time. And it was, um, it was beautiful because of course, it, it brought that alignment and it brought that, um, brought that clarity. That felt like what those kind of mechanical pieces represent, like snap, 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 all just snap together and this is how it fits together. But the picture of the, both the cheese and the, and the grapes, to me felt like this important revelation that that's just how you make grape juice or, or wine, that's just how you make cheese. And I just wanna encourage you, this process has been part of the normal developmental process for your lives. That even though parts of it have been maybe a bit confusing and hard, I just want to encourage you. You're, you're not behind, you're not missing out on something over here or over there. That this has is, this is, um, been part of the normal developmental process of building what God wants to build in your guys' lives. And I just want to encourage you also that that hunger for more kind of clarity and direction and cohesion is, has not been wrong and even though this is part part of the normal process that that hunger for that clarity and direction is is a right one and i just feel like both of you at the same time are going to kind of get that and see okay this is this is what it looks like going forward so yeah that's what i feel like i heard the lord say for you today awesome cool yeah all right <clears throat> yeah Well, i've met you a couple times i'm so terrible with names but you have the uh, the kind of dark maroon shirt on you came to the prophetic classes as, as well um I um, I, uh, the last several times that I've, I've seen you, I've, um, seen this, this vision of an angel holding a, a sword and another angel holding a crown with, with you. And I, and I kept saying, you know, Lord, what, what is that? And, and I kept wanting to give it to you as a prophetic word. Uh, but he says, no, not yet. No, not yet. And then right when I was up here, he said, uh, I wanted you to wait to say it in front of everybody <laughs> um, but I just heard the, heard the Lord say that you are you're called to be a warrior and a king <laughs> and that you you are built for for authority in in your life and I feel like um, i I feel like one of the biggest things the enemy has tried to steal from you in the early parts of your life was your your um, your 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 perception of kingdom authority and the kingdom authority that you carry and your value as 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 a warrior and i feel uh, i feel like um you um you've had so many opportunities to choose to grab that crown and grab that sword outside of god's timing and there are times where even, especially when people have not respected you as someone who carries a sword and carries a crown. I just wanna encourage you, the, the humility that you have shown and being willing to wait for the Lord to hand those things to you is tremendous. And it may have seemed normal to you as just the right choice at those times, but it is a, a tremendous sign of the character uh, that you carry, that you were willing to wait for that to be handed to you by the Lord. And I just wanna tell you that season is coming right now and is happening right now, that he is placing that sword in your hand, the, the, the ability to act with authority and to, and to say no to what you, what you see fit to say no to and to say yes to what you see fit to say yes to and that ability to to lead in your life and to lead in in your environment in a way that's not possible for And I want to really encourage you. Um, that there's actually a spiritual shift that's happening right now, where what was what didn't work before will suddenly start working now, because there's been a, an authoritative shift in the heavens. And so as you see. The, as you start to see the plans and direction for your family and life going forward, you're gonna be seeing it with different eyes and things that haven't worked out in the past are gonna work this time because the authority is set. And so if you just would, uh, everyone extend your hands towards him. Lord, we just bless the authority that is on his life. We, we um, come against any lies that the enemy has tried to, thrown out, uh, to try to steal this idea of authority, to try to tempt him to, to seize it of his own accord. And we we just bless and acknowledge and recognize the, the spirit of humility that he's carried. And we just say, we, we just acknowledge in the name of Jesus Christ that there is an authority of leadership on this man, that there is an authority of strength on this man, and we say that he is he is uh, now walking in a new season of of um of uh of 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 clarity, of authority, and of, of the ability to know exactly where to swing that sword and when to not swing that sword. And so we just release that, in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. <laughs> <coughs> all right, <laughs> all right. We'll just do one one more. Last but not least, but uh, uh and Charles, I got a I got a word for you guys. Um, all the way at the back. Um, uh <laughs> so this is good track with me but I saw the wrath of god coming at you um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's this, uh, I don't remember the, the exact psalm off the top of my head, but there's this one psalm where David is kind of feeling surrounded, feeling stuck, feeling like things aren't working out. And he writes this psalm of the Lord's wrath rolling over the mountains, and it's this big dark clouds. And in that psalm, it is not his wrath coming against David. It is it is his wrath coming for David against his enemies. And, and I just felt there's... um. There's a couple different things, but there and, and some of this I, I know practically. But there's been areas of of delay and false starts and and things like that. And I and I feel like um, it's actually been on multiple fronts over the last handful of years where it's just like, all oh, this is going to work out. Uh, and like oh, I want to do this, but it's so much work to even get this going. You know how, how can you know how. Uh, you, and it took so much work for only this much fruit. <laughs> you know, how can we possibly even even expect to get to get more and everything? That? But I just I just saw the wrath of God coming like a dark thundering cloud come through and it just cleared the pathway. And it, it was interesting because it um if you've ever been through where a tornado has been, you know, you, you can tell. Uh, it Like the trees get uprooted, they, they get stripped, you know, and it just kind of uh, it, it's a little bit messy, but it, it clears, you know, especially if it goes through a, a natural area. It, but it tears open, it displaces all these things, and I just saw afterwards this land in front of you. It was almost like this um really dense jungle, and it was like how are we going to um how you know it's so much work to just go a few feet through this to cut through this to dig through this, and I saw this wrath, this storm go through, and it te- tore up everything. There were still you know trees, and it was like a still a little bit messy, but it was doable and it was it was accessible and it was clear and the way forward and the way to 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 construct that and to construct your path through was clear and so I just wanted to to identify two things that first of all. It it has been unfair for you guys. It has been unjust for you guys. And I just felt the Lord acknowledging that and that his his response of wrath is against that and and that and that you're about to experience in your life that you're actually this year is going to be a tipping point. Of seeing the difference uh, between what it has looked like when in injustice has ruled in part of your lives, and now you're going to see what it looks like when heaven's justice is leading in your lives. And so, um, I just want to extend our hands towards them as well. well we, we just thank you for Winky and Charles. We thank you for the beauty that they carry, for the for the servant's heart that they carry, for for just the the absolute deep and and. Um, and active love that they carry for 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 their environment and, and for this place, Lord. We just um we just invite the wrath of God to invade their lives. To <laughs> as strange as that might sound, to to clear space. We we say no more injustice in the name of Jesus Christ. We say the justice of heaven is in their lives. That it clears their path. That it that it makes every every instead of every effort turning out one tenth of what they expected, that every effort would turn out tenfold what they expected, and that that would increase again and again and again. We just say that they are designed to shine. They are designed to run free and uninhibited. And we just break off those inhibitions in Jesus' name and just say uh, clarity and openness and that they would feel the active divine partnership that God has in their life. We just release that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> um. <coughs> All right. I just got one one last thing, and this is a word for for all y'all, as they say. Um, so, I, I it can sound like a um, like a platitude, but when I say that every single one of you has stepped into the, the role, uh, part of the authority and role of a prophet, I I, I mean that. The, you know, Jesus was the 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 great prophet. You know, the 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 um, the one who was greater than Moses, the one who fulfilled everything that, that was uh, led up to to that point, and he released that authority on his people, on his disciples, and his disciples that still exist to this day. And so, you you are called to be a prophetic representation of God on the earth with different types of authority, in different ways, in different expressions, but all in ways that are equally essential to the perpetuation of God's kingdom on this planet. Now, I do want to offer you one um, piece of prophetic advice as people who are prophetic representations of God. Um, You know, we've had troubled years, these last few years, and I wish the prophecy I had was, it's going to get less troubled, but that's not the one that I have, (laughs) Um, Kinds of trouble will continue. But I need you to hear this. Um, Your ability to influence uh, that trouble and to perpetuate God's kingdom is most affected by your ability to see him and be like him. Your ability to affect the trouble that's in the world and to make his kingdom show up on earth, to partner with him in his kingdom being shown up on earth is most affected by your ability to see him and be like him. The temptation of our age is to see a problem and try to run at it in our own power. The fruit of that will always be that you feel powerless and that is part of the plan. Your greatest authority is is in being able to see him and become like him. And that will always be the answer to the problems that you see in the earth, is to see him and become like him. There's mystery in that. that doesn't, that's not a set of instructions, but it is a mandate. And so I want to encourage you guys to engage in that mystery for your life. Because it is, again, it is not a platitude that we are all called to be prophetic representations of God on the earth. It is his design for how his kingdom is perpetuated and has been since the earth was created. And so if you would stand, I'm going to pray for you guys. So Lord, I just anoint everyone with the spirit of prophecy we We recognize that we are all assigned to be representations of God on the earth, and we look at that assignment with our eyes open and recognize it for the burden that it is for the for the um weight that comes with that from the the challenge that comes with that. Now we do not try. <laughs> to do that with our own power, with our own determination, or even our own character. We instead fall on your grace, Lord, that we need your grace to transform us to be more like you. We need to see you so that we can become more like you, Lord. And I just pray that as we go back to our work, as we go back to our homes, as we go back to all the places of authority that we have in our lives, that we would recognize the authority that we have as sons and daughters of the King, as plenipotentiaries, as as ambassadors, as representatives of God's kingdom on the earth, and that we would all begin our own unique prophetic journey where we have encounters with you that inform the message that we have to bring on the earth, Lord. I just release that spirit of prophecy on every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks so much, guys.